On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Austin, Texas appears to be in the final stages of Gigafactory 5 negotiations with Tesla. A handful of welcome customer-requested new software features are rolling out imminently. Your chance to see the Cybertruck on display right now and more. Friends, welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 255 for June 21st, 2020. Happy Father's Day to my fellow dads out there. Hope you're having a nice day with your families. Uh, There is plenty to talk about this week, but first I wanted to quickly follow up on a point from last week. We now have absolute confirmation that new build Model 3s coming from Fremont do indeed have the updated center console from the Model Y. So reminder, that's got the built-in wireless charging pad and the USB-C ports on the back uh, of the center console for the second row folks there. So people have taken delivery of this. We have confirmation of it. So from here on out, if you order a Model 3, you will get that. And obviously, if you order a Model Y, you will get that as well. Let's get right to it. First up, big news out of Texas this week, a Gigafactory 5 update. Uh, It is looking good for Austin. So early in the week, Reuters reported that, quote, Electric car maker Tesla is negotiating possible incentives with a Texas county that could bring a new auto assembly plant to the area near Austin, according to the Austin American Statesman reported on Monday. Travis County Commissioner's Court is scheduled to discuss terms of the deal on Tuesday of this past week, citing people with knowledge of the situation. A vote is expected in the coming weeks. The paper said it was unclear whether negotiations with Travis County show that Tesla has picked the Austin region as the site for the plant, which would build the company's electric pickup truck and Model Y SUV and employ thousands of people, or if the company is also negotiating with officials in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, as the week went on, we learned more. Further details coming in once again via the Austin American Statesman newspaper. Quote, In a bid to help lure Tesla to Central Texas, the Dell Valley School District southeast of Austin is considering an incentives deal that could save the electric automaker up to $68 million on its property tax bill over 10 years if it brings a major assembly plant and thousands of jobs to Travis County. The proposed agreement, which was made public by the Texas Comptroller's Office Thursday, calls for Tesla to build a 4 million to 5 million square foot facility that would eventually employ 5,000 or more workers on a site just off Texas 130 in southeastern Travis County. If the Dell Valley School Board approves the agreement and Tesla moves forward with the factory there, construction could start in the third quarter of this year and take two to three years to complete, according to documents filed with the Texas Comptroller's office. Uh, Elon Musk taking to Twitter to note that, quote, Tesla has an option to purchase this land, but has not exercised it, at least as of my recording this on Friday. So a few things here. One, note that these are county-level negotiations. 
I would personally still expect, as I've said before, and I'm far from the only one, I'm not at some sort of Nostradamus here, but I would expect Tesla will demand a state government level policy change with regard to the fact that direct-to-consumer car sales, which of course is how Tesla and Tesla alone sells cars to people, are currently illegal in the state of Texas. Tesla is only allowed to operate galleries in Texas. I don't know if you could hear my air quotes there, but they're referred to as galleries. And in those, employees are not allowed to discuss prices of cars or directly sell anyone a car, but they can talk about the cars and then point those people, those prospective customers, to the Tesla.com website. So uh, conveniently on that, Austin, as you probably know, is the capital city of Texas, so perhaps there will be an easy in there to try and get that law changed. Now, personally, I have no horse in the Tulsa-Austin race, but I would almost rather see Austin, no offense Tulsa, if it meant that as part of the deal, Texans, of which there are many, it's one of our, the biggest states in the country, would finally be allowed to buy Teslas at Tesla stores in their own state. So we'll see what happens. Now, also note uh, what they said there, the, 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 uh, the newspaper in that report, the project is expected to take two to three years to complete with construction beginning at the earliest in the next few months, Q3 being, of course, July through September. Bear in mind, though, if you're thinking, well, wait a second, I've got a reservation for a Cybertruck. I want it soon. Tesla said fall 2021 for first deliveries, but this two to three years would be fall 2022 or 2023. Remember that it doesn't necessarily mean it would be uh, the full two to three years before they can actually produce any vehicles. Look no further than Giga Shanghai. They got up and running in 12 months from nothing, from a, from a, a, a patch of land to an operational factory pumping out cars, Model 3s in that case, in 12 months. But construction continues, very, construction very much continues at Giga Shanghai uh, as the factory expands. And then they're going to be uh, using that expansion to build, they're going to put in a, a Model Y assembly line in Giga Shanghai. So I would imagine Tesla will no doubt try and get those cyber trucks coming out of there as quickly as they possibly can, provided, of course, that the fall 2021 timeline on the Cybertruck is still accurate. We don't know, we haven't heard otherwise, we also haven't heard any confirmation that yes, we are still on track, but to take the optimistic side of it, we also haven't heard anything to suggest officially or unofficially that the Cybertruck won't start delivering in the fall of 2021. So it looks like this Gigafactory 5 race is now Austin's to lose, although it is fair to mention Elon did note on Twitter late this week, quote, we are considering several options. He no doubt probably needs to say that, and I don't doubt that he's telling the truth. Elon is not one to, to flat out lie, but it does seem as though Austin is now the, uh, the prospective winner and at worst, 
a finalist, one of uh, which, of course, we already more or less knew between Tulsa and Austin. But there you go. We'll see uh, when this thing, if and when this thing locks in, uh, if it is indeed going to be Austin. But if you're in the Austin area, you may be welcoming Tesla to your backyard very, very soon. Next up this week, our favorite white hat Tesla hacker, Green the Only, is back with another interesting find in the firmware code. So it seems that speed limit sign recognition is coming soon, as well as something else. Green writing on Twitter, quote, Coming soon to a Tesla near you, speed limit recognition worldwide with 3D rendered signs, meaning for the UI, and roundabout support, end quote. So uh, let me start with the first one. What, what I learned about this, uh, thank you to the Tesla Motors Reddit for continuing to educate me. I always love learning new stuff about Tesla. Uh, I follow it religiously, but I don't know everything, and, and I did not know this, so I wanted to pass it along in case it's new to you as well. Apparently, Tesla has had to cleverly find their own solution to speed limit sign recognition because of a mobile eye patent. I was not aware of this. Now, Mobileye, as you may know, particularly if you own uh, an Autopilot 1 Tesla Model S or X, uh, Autopilot 1 was uh, provided by Mobileye in partnership with Tesla, and Autopilot 1 cars can read speed limit signs, and it turns out Mobileye has a patent on that. So it seems Tesla has had to find a way around that in order to deliver this feature, which it now seems poised to do here. Uh, and that's great news for all of us, for the rest of us, because now at this point, the Autopilot 2, uh, 2.0 Plus fleet certainly outnumbers the Autopilot 1 fleet. So uh, soon everybody, all the, all the Autopilot-enabled Teslas will be able to read speed limit signs. And as for roundabout support, that should be big news in particular to my European friends out there. Uh, now, of course, Europe isn't the only place with roundabouts. We do have them in America. And I know every state is different. But the places I've lived, there are not too many of them. I will note the, the one that came right to mind. There's one not too far from my office in San Francisco that I could go test with once this feature does roll out. Now, it's tough to know exactly when that will be. It will likely hit early access first and then get posted about online, inevitably. And then once that happens, and I'll certainly let you know when it does, we should expect it to hit the rest of the fleet probably within three to four weeks, maybe even less if things go well, or uh, could be more if there are bugs. But barring any bugs, probably going to be around three to four weeks if, histor if historical precedent holds on previous big new features uh, that we've seen in early access. Now, also, the, something that is in early access now and thus should be coming sooner than the speed limit sign recognition and uh, roundabout navigation usage is autopilot being able to go through green lights on its own in city full self-driving without needing uh, confirmation at every single intersection, which is what you have to do now. Now, the catch is you have to have a lead vehicle in front of you. 
So the car needs to see the green light and have a car in front of you that it's following, and then it will proceed through the, the green light without you needing to tap the accelerator or the uh, gear selector stalk. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's it is a, a baby step, but it is the next step forward. It is moving this feature forward and relatively quickly as well. I mean, we just got the stoplight recognition, what, a month ago? Less? It's, it was not that long ago. So good stuff there. We'll be seeing that very soon. Speaking of software updates, there is a big one that is rolling out probably now by the time you read this. There are reports of it here as I record on Friday, which means by the time you're listening on most of you Sunday or Monday or whenever in the week you get around to it. New version 2020.24.5 is bringing lots of cool new stuff with it. I want to once again tip my cap to the Tesla subreddit for collecting all of this. And here's what's in it. So you've got driving visualization improvements. So it's saying that it can now display additional objects, including stoplights, stop signs, and select road markings. Uh, so there's, there's, that's another little addition. The, the actual UI, what it's, what it's rendering out there on the left side of your, your uh, Model 3 or Model Y screen will be uh, a little more detailed. Next, backup camera improvements. You can now view video streams coming from your side repeater cameras for added visibility around the vehicle. Uh, so all you got to do is turn your backup camera on and there it will be. When the backup camera is visible, simply swipe to display the repeater camera video feeds. This will also, uh, so this is for reverse. And by the sound of it, it sounds like if you just turn it on, turn the backup camera on, you can, uh, you can, which you can do while you're driving, of course, in any Tesla, that you can turn these on as well. So that is, uh, is really nice to see. So the, the use of the repeater cameras in reverse, by the way, you may remember was a customer requested feature. So hopefully at some point it's going to evolve to, uh, to the point where it also shows those side repeater camera views if you activate your turn signal and have it automatically turn on. Elon has addressed that on Twitter previously and said that that's actually a more difficult problem than it might seem, but it's hopefully that means this, this is one step of the way towards Tesla getting there. Now, the next bit is another good one, dash cam viewer improvements. To make sentry mode videos easier to review, in the car obviously, we have added a red dot along the video scrubber to indicate the moment when a sentry mode event was triggered. When playing a sentry mode video, the dash cam viewer will skip ahead and begin playback right before this point. So that, my friends, is just what the doctor ordered. And what's cool about this that's this is this improvement to that to that feature is coming pretty quickly after the dash cam viewer itself rolled out. And so I'm guessing that the Tesla software team was just as annoyed with skipping through every single clip to find the actual incident as the rest of us were. And and again, this is all stuff that didn't come with the cars. I mean, it does now if you're taking delivery of a new car, but it's all just stuff they've added for free, and I absolutely love that. 
The next one. Yes, there is more. Walk-away door lock improvements. You now have the option to disable walk-away door lock when your vehicle is parked at home. So another one commonly requested by people. A lot of folks have wanted that disabled in their homes so that the car just can stay unlocked in your garage where it's perfectly safe and secure. So that's another welcome one. And there's one more of note. There are actually a few more things, but the, the other, the one more of note that I wanted to point out is the cabin-facing camera that the Model 3 and the Model Y all have. That it has been, uh, I've said this before, it has been the one completely unused, just, I mean, to, to not sound harsh, but the one useless part in the entire car to date, well, that ends now because uh, Tesla is activating it if you opt in. So here's the description. Help Tesla continue to develop safer vehicles by sharing camera data from your vehicle. This update will allow you to enable the built-in camera above the rearview mirror. If enabled, Tesla will automatically capture images and a short video clip just prior to a collision or safety event to help engineers develop safety features and enhancements in the future. And they note, as usual, you can adjust your data sharing preferences by blah, blah, blah. So you can, uh, yeah, you can, you can go turn that off if you want. And they note camera, cabin camera images and video clips will not be associated with your vehicle identification number to protect your privacy. So, uh, crash monitoring purposes for the cabin camera, the cabin facing camera. My question is, I wonder what Tesla intends to learn from that. That, that traditional crash testing with crash test dummies doesn't already tell them. So my hope on that is at some point down the road, maybe within the next year or so after Tesla has gathered a reasonable sample size of data from this, I hope we get some kind of report about how Tesla, like what they've learned and how they're improving the car as a result of using these, these, uh, cabin facing video feeds and uh, screenshots when crash events or as they say safety events happen so very curious to see what that one turns into next up this week it's a busy week remember back at the q1 earnings call when elon talked about the model s uh flirting with 400 miles of range but it was unofficial because the the actual i think it was 392 was what it was officially rated at by the EPA, and and Elon claimed that the EPA, that according to the car logs, the EPA left the door open overnight, and so the car didn't go to sleep, which caused the battery to drain more than it should have, and so the, the car did not earn a 400-mile EPA rating. Well, that flirtation with uh, 400 miles is no longer flirting, and seemingly the car door was properly closed in the retest because now it is official. The Model S Long Range Plus has an EPA rating of over 400 miles, 402 miles officially. Elon posted on Twitter to announce it, followed by a blog on Tesla.com that has more details. I want to read you some of that here. In fact, most of it because uh, it is of interest to hear exactly how they achieve this within the same car 
what they've done to now get it to 400 miles. They wrote on the blog, Starting today, all North American Model S Long Range Plus vehicles have an official EPA-rated range of 402 miles, representing a nearly 20% increase in range when compared to a 2019 Model S 100D with the same battery pack design. This significant achievement reflects Tesla's obsession with efficiency and energy frugality and is realized through several changes, both iterative and transformational, in core hardware and system architecture development by the Tesla engineering, design, and production teams. These changes went into production earlier this year when we first started manufacturing Model S Long Range Plus at our factory in Fremont, California. All Model S Long Range Plus vehicles will receive the new 402-mile rating. So the way they've done it, this is now they're detailing what how they got here. First is through significant mass reduction. They write, mass is the enemy of both efficiency and performance, and minimizing the weight of every component is an ongoing goal for our design and engineering teams. Several lessons from the engineering design and manufacturing of Model 3 and Model Y have now been carried over to Model S and Model X. This has unlocked new areas of mass reduction while maintaining the premium feel and performance of both vehicles. Additional weight savings have also been achieved through the standardization of Tesla's in-house seat manufacturing and lighter weight materials used in our battery pack and drive units. Next, the new Tempest Aero Wheels and Tires. Tesla writing, Our newest 8.5-inch wide Aero Wheels, which are a little narrower, Reduce aerodynamic drag compared to the previous wheels on Model S Long Range, and when paired with a new custom tire specifically engineered to reduce rolling resistance, add a 2% improvement to overall range. Which is, you know, not insignificant when you're talking about a car going from 350, I guess last year was, I guess a year ago it was 335 for the 100D. So, yeah, I mean, 4% of that is, uh, is not, what is that? It's like 12 miles, 12, 13 miles. Uh, next, increased drive unit efficiency. In our rear AC induction drive unit, we replace the mechanical oil pump with an electric oil pump that optimizes lubrication independent of vehicle speed to reduce friction. Further improvements to the gearbox in our front permanent magnet synchronous reluctance motors shared with Model 3 and Model Y have resulted in a further increase of 2% more range while driving on the highway, which is always good because typically higher speed in an electric vehicle will reduce range more quickly. So there's specifically a a highway speed optimization there with with the drive unit. And then they note uh, as well, that this is partially achieved via the uh, via maximizing regenerative braking, aka the hold braking feature, which you're all already familiar with. Now, Elon noting in a follow-up on Twitter, quote, all Model S cars made since late January have 402 miles of range. Now, of course, this does not apply to Model S performance because they are ringing a lot more power out, so your, your range there remains 348 EPA-rated miles there. Uh, but anyway, Elon noting 
the, that the long range cars since late January have 402 miles of range. He says, this is just making it official. So if you've bought a new Model S just about any time this year, congratulations, because you have a 400 mile range car, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, worth noting too, I just want to note this here, 400 mile range Model S that starts at $75,000. Now I understand $75,000 is still a lot of money. That's not a cheap car overall, but think about the fact that eight years ago, the 265 mile range Model S started in the 80s, in the $80,000 range and went up from there as you as you optioned it with things like the tech package and if you went with a, a P85 for performance. So Tesla has come a long way very quickly. Uh, another th quick point here I want to mention. It's worth noting that you're almost certainly only going to get uh, the 402 full EPA-rated miles of range on those new Tempest 19-inch aero-style wheels that have been available on the Model S for a few months now. I'm not sure if you've seen them in person yet, because even here in the Bay Area, now, although I guess I should caveat that by remembering, oh yeah, I'm not driving very much, I'm not, I'm not even going out on the road very much, but generally speaking, I haven't seen these in the wild too often yet, but they're out there. And my personal opinion, I dislike them quite a bit. I actually think they're the second ugliest wheel that Tesla has ever made. And you have to go pretty far back. In fact, speaking of, you know, I was just talking about the 2012 Model S. You have to go back to 2012 and a bit into 2013 to find what is, in my humble opinion, I know wheel design, very subjective, but in my opinion, the ugliest Tesla wheels ever made were the original Model S Aero wheels. Yes, it was an option. Almost nobody took it. I've seen very, very few of them over the years here in, in the Tesla-tastic Bay Area. But it, it is exactly what, I mean, if you just Google it, Model S Aero Wheel, you'll see it was, uh, it was, it was very much a, a sort of a, a precursor to the, the nicer Aero Wheel design that the Model 3 would get in 2017. But not my cup of tea, uh, this new Tempest 19-inch Aero style wheel. It just... To me, it, they don't, it doesn't look right on what is a very, very sporty and muscly Model S body. But hey, again, to each their own. So uh, I'll add to that by just saying it remains to be seen now in real-world testing what the range penalty is going to be off of that 402 miles of EPA-rated range if you're using the 19-inch slipstream wheels which are actually the default ones that come on the car, or if you step up to the 21-inch twin turbine wheels, presumably it's 2% against the slipstreams because you know I just read you the, the bit about the, the Tempest wheels and the, the efficient tires, uh, if you go with that package. But the 21-inch uh, will obviously be a bigger, a bigger range hit than that. Unfortunately the Tesla design studio no longer shows the range differences with the, between the various tire and wheel choices, which it used to do, and I appreciated that. I wish it still did it because 
I think it's only fair to prospective buyers that they know that certain tire and wheel selections are going to affect their range. So, uh, nevertheless, I do want to say in all sincerity, congratulations to the entire team at Tesla. The pace of improvement, again, I know I've, I've said this a million times, but it just, it they deserve credit for it every time. The pace of improvement at Tesla simply continues to astound me. Even after I've followed this company so closely over the past 10 years, it's just amazing how quickly they get better and better and better with these vehicles. I love it. Few more stories uh, for you this week. Hang with me. UK listener John Hast gave me the heads up that in his words, quote, Tesla has been officially granted a place on the UK's power company market, giving it permission to generate electricity to the national grid. And he, John kindly gave me a link to the official release about this, which says in excerpt, quote, the gas and electricity markets authority hereby gives notice pursuant to section 6A5 of the Electricity Act of 1989 that on June 12, 2020, an electricity generation license was granted under section 61A of the act to Tesla Motors Limited, authorizing it to generate electricity in the area specified in schedule 1 for the purpose of giving a supply to any premises or enabling a supply to be so given, end quote. Well, that means that Tesla could start producing and selling clean, renewable solar energy as a utility company, basically. Megapacks could also come into play like the, uh, on this, such as the one down in South Australia. I mean, hey, if you know, Tesla's going to get into the energy-providing market, you might as well start in the UK. You know, start on a relatively small island nation. No, no disrespect to, to the UK, because there you can you can kind of get a feel for it before you expand out from there to to larger geographic territories. It's going to be really interesting to see just how this does scale over time, and to see how big of a part it ends up playing in Tesla's overall business in the coming years. So thank you, John. Good stuff there for Tesla in the UK. Uh, This next one isn't news per se, but I just wanted to head it off in case you hear about it from anybody in in your life uh, that maybe doesn't follow Tesla quite as closely, and maybe they'll end up hearing this from some sensationalist media outlet somewhere, who knows. But um, basically, it can sometimes be tough to know exactly when Elon Musk is joking and when he's serious. But this one, I'm quite certain, comes from the jokes department, not from the serious department. If it does somehow turn out to be serious, well, then it's going to be pretty interesting. Take a listen to this. Elon was asked on Twitter, someone wrote to him saying, I would like to have a feature where I can zap people from my phone with the camera if they enter my home, you know, like a remote taser edition. So seemingly somebody, this person was actually talking about their home security. But Elon, it was tagged, it was tagged to Elon, and, and he replied saying, quote, come standard with Cybertruck. So 
He is joking, my friends, just to to be clear. At least (laughs) I'm about 95% sure that he's kidding on that one, but uh, it was pretty funny, and in case you do hear about it, I wanted to pass it along. Uh, Just two more quick things. Speaking of the Cybertruck, it is on display right now, as you hear this, at the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles, near downtown Los Angeles. It's in the lobby, and it's only there for one week. It's only there through Friday, June 26th. So that's it, just this week as you hear this show. Uh, I I can say I don't know what their social distancing COVID-19 policies are, but you can go see this thing in the flesh, or I suppose in the stainless, <laughs> if you want to. It's there, and I highly recommend if you feel comfortable venturing out into a public space, it it is worth seeing. If I were closer, uh, I would go, because I was obviously so fortunate to not only see it, but to ride in it. But, as I've, s- I've said before, uh that the events, the Tesla events are always at night. And like I said, when, uh, when I talked about the, the clip from, of the Cybertruck from Jay Leno's garage, seeing these prototypes, seeing these cars in daylight is just a completely different deal, whether it's Roadster, whether it's Cybertruck, what have you. So you, this is a chance to see, I mean, it'll be indoors obviously, but under better lighting, better, you know, than, than what, what was going on at Tesla at night at the Cybertruck unveiling. So, uh, now presumably as part of their social distancing COVID-19 policies, you do need to book tickets in advance for this and in a certain time window. So presumably that's how they're controlling attendance. So I know that much. So again, if you're in LA or going to be in LA this week, and want to check out the Cybertruck, you can get tickets at peterson.org slash tickets. Now, Peterson Auto Museum is spelled a little differently uh, than than you might be thinking. It's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N, not Peterson, Peterson. Peterson, peterson peterson.org slash tickets. Tickets are $16 for adults, $11 for kids, and $14 for seniors. I can tell you, I've never been to the Peterson, but I've always wanted to go. Their car collection is straight up just legendary. If you add the Vault Tour, I was on their website poking around. If you add the Vault Tour to your ticket to go, if you want to go see the Cybertruck, it's 20 bucks. It's an extra 20 bucks on top of the admission price to get the Vault Tour. They'll take you downstairs into their vault to see the 250 plus cars that are not part of the active exhibitions. One of them, if you've seen, uh, I believe it's, I don't know if it's Who Killed the Electric Car or the sequel, it's one of those two, but they've got an EV1 down there. So GM's original EV1, which of course... Most of them were crushed. They were recalled. They were taken back from the leases to their owners by GM, and they were crushed. But one of them survives and is in the Peterson Auto Museum. And just because 
it's me, and I'm a DeLorean guy. I owned a DeLorean for 12 years. I have seen, I've had the privilege of seeing most of the so sort of quote-unquote celebrity DeLoreans. One, but there are three, there are three cars that I've not seen in my life in person that I've always wanted to see. There are three 24-carat gold-plated DeLoreans. So it's stainless steel, but the stainless, which all of them are, stainless steel, but that stainless has been 24-carat gold-plated. And if you're wondering, what on earth are you talking about, Ryan? So in 1981, as the DeLorean was in production, DeLorean partnered with American Express, where if you had the American Express black card, which was their, you know, super high-end, uh, high high bank account, large bank account card uh, for, for high spenders, you could purchase a 24-carat gold-plated DeLorean for, I believe, now I'm going off of memory, I think it was $85,000 in 1981. And whereas the, the regular, the, the base, the price of the regular DeLorean was $25,000. And they intended to offer up to 100 of them. They built two. And then, sorry, I know this is a Tesla podcast, but this is just an interesting car story, real quick. So they built two, and uh, they've they've really never been driven. They've sat in, in various museums. I won't get into it. And then there there was a third one. So when they built two, and then they had spare parts for in case anything happened to the two of them. Well, when DeLorean went under. The very last DeLorean assembled, the final VIN. They took the spare parts for the two that they made for the two gold-plated cars, and they assembled a third 24-karat gold-plated DeLorean. And anyway, long story short, the Peterson Auto Museum in the vault has one of those three 24-karat gold-plated DeLoreans, which I have always wanted to see, and I would encourage you, if you're going to go, go see it and let me know how it is. Uh, all right, that's enough of that. Back to back on track to Tesla. Finally this week, the final note I have for you, because I've been talking for a very, very long time. This one's specifically to my Wyoming listeners out there, Elon taking to Twitter this week to say that a supercharger is opening in about two weeks in Casper. So if you have been eager to get a supercharger in Wyoming, it is finally, or at least another one, it is finally uh, happening. Got a new one coming for you. Wanted to pass that along because he felt like he decided to tweet it out. So why not? Might as well share the information with my Wyoming-based listeners. All right, that will do it for a very busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me. I'll come right back after a word from Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief in the Halo video game series, with the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's your calls coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. 
Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your questions, comments, and discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla. I invite you to participate anytime. It is nice and easy, or at least I try to make it as easy as possible. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call and leave a message on the actual Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number whether you want to call or Skype in and the number is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Ryan from Lancaster, Pennsylvania is up next with a charging question that hopefully I can help him out with. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ryan. This is Ryan from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I just wanted to call and ask the questions about uh, home charging a Tesla. My wife and I decided to purchase a new Model Y for her. The thing is, we are moving to a new home in seven to eight months. The new home will have a wall connector installed, but in my, my home now, I do not have any electrical or anything for the mobile um, charger or the wall connector. So I would need to have an electrician um, install that for me. Do you recommend a wall connector now so I can transfer that to a new home or the mobile charger, which I I would still need a 240-volt outlet to be installed as well? Or I guess one option is there is a V3 supercharger about 15 minutes from my house. I guess we could go there every few days to charge up, but it would be a pain in the butt for seven to eight months. I was just wondering what you would recommend for us. Anyways, love the show. I have a two-hour commute every day to work, and I've been listening to your show for the past several weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. So I appreciate all the time that you put in into the show. Thank you. Fellow Ryan, thank you very much for the kind words about the podcast. I sincerely appreciate that. Well, I'm happy to tell you what I would do in your position based on what you've told me, and hopefully you might find that helpful. So first, with your long commute that you mentioned and the fact that you already said that the supercharging option would be annoying to you, let's go ahead and strike that right off the top. I mean, you mentioned a two-hour commute. You're not going to want to spend time on top of that having to go out of your way and go supercharge as well on a, on a regular basis. So that leaves the home charging options. If I were you, I would go ahead and buy the wall connector and install that if I were you, since, as you mentioned, you could take it to your new home with you. I mean, you could technically take a NEMA 1450 outlet with you too, but you're probably not going to do that. Whereas the wall connector, you could hang it right up and then take it with you uh, when you move. I'm going to mention just one other thing that it sounds like you've already considered and you kind of mentioned that you don't really have any other power options there, but just in case, if you happen to have a dryer outlet nearby for your laundry, nearby where the car is going to be, you could 
run the NEMA 1430 adapter and just run the cord charge that way. Uh, it's, it's a $30 adapter that you'd need to buy from Tesla. I bought one for when I'm at my parents' house uh, the last two years I've driven down over the holidays because thankfully the the uh, laundry room is right off the garage. So the can it can I can easily just plug right into the the dryer outlet from there. So maybe if that could be possible for you, then you wouldn't have to install anything prior to your move and that would save you some money. But one way or the other, I hope that helps. Tim is next and wanted to talk about uh, well a couple things. I'll let Tim take it away. Hi Ryan, this is Tim calling. I just uh, wanted to get get your thoughts on two autopilot related subjects. First one being automation of the charging process. Seems to me like this would drastically improve the Tesla ownership experience, as well as introduce things like virtual queuing. Um, The other question I had is, uh, how does autopilot behave around other autopilot enabled Teslas? Uh, one of the exponential improvements that autonomous vehicles promise is the coordination of vehicles in traffic. And I'm just wondering if anyone has noticed um, behavior like this with um, Teslas around other Teslas. Uh, That's it for today. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hey, Tim, thanks for calling. Well, these are two fun subjects. On the subject of automated charging, This one comes up from time to time, and for good reason. As you correctly note, it is a significant piece of the full self-driving puzzle. It remains to be seen how Tesla's going to end up handling it, whether they do use the charging snake prototype as a model for a real product that they retrofit at existing supercharger stations, or maybe they go with inductive charging wirelessly, or they station an attendant at various interstate superchargers, or something else entirely. I will say, though, that I think we need the virtual queuing that you mentioned now, right now. Uh, With the fleet, the fleet's growing every day. The Model Y is spinning up as their second high-volume car, so the fleet's going to be growing a lot quicker. I talked about this after my uh, unpleasant two-hour wait scenario at the Mojave Charger during my holiday travels, uh, which happened. And, and But those long waits for charging to even, you know, and by long wait, I don't mean the long wait while you're plugged in. I mean, just waiting to even plug in. That happened in a number of spots in California over the holidays, where, of course, there is a larger concentration of Teslas than in most other parts of the country. I mean, there... I talked about it then, but there is just no reason that I can see why Tesla couldn't do it right now with the current fleet. So yeah, you can you can listen back. I think it was uh, probably the last show of last year, if you're curious, if you didn't hear that, my whole rap on that. But as for multiple Teslas on autopilot reacting to each other's behavior, unfortunately, the cars don't know that there are other autopiloting Teslas nearby yet. But between GPS and cellular, the tech is seemingly all there. And at some point, who knows, they could eventually be able to pull off a high-speed convoy where all the cars are close together, as one particular example. It's going to be really cool to see how it evolves. Cheers, Tim. Thanks for calling in. Let me go now to Mitch in Marin. Wants to talk about uh, how AI could help 
a certain future Tesla. Go ahead, Mitch. Hi, Ryan. This is Mitch and Marin. I'm sorry. Sorry if my voice is hard to understand. I got a pretty severe neuroaudio. You know, three things I want to talk about today. You talked about rockets and the rockets and the roadster in your previous podcast. I think you don't understand how it's going to work. It's going to be like flying the B-1 bomber by wire, you know? People couldn't fly that, but they can fly it because artificial intelligence controls the control. You tell it what you want it to do, and it controls how it does it. Pretty sure that Elon will set up something similar for the Roadster. Not going to fire off a Roadster if you want to slow down. I put on the brakes, and the, the, you want, and the thing will put on the brakes for you. Put on put on the reverse thruster if you need it, so on and so forth. Second, the uh, charge rate is not due to the form factor or chemistry. Actually, you can go to the bank. It has nothing to do with the form factor. 99% has nothing to do with the chemistry because chemistry is substantially better. They they would, they, would, they would update the chemistry in the older cells to match the new ones. I think it's due to the wiring. Either the wiring in the, in the car, probably the pack wiring won't, won't handle it. And then the last thing, Cybertruck. You know, the Cybertruck, I mean, I think that they could use that stainless steel exocellum form factor in a lot more, a lot more situations, if they use, they, they use stainless steel tubing for shapes, maybe they could do a model too with, with rounded shapes. Because, you know, if they had rounded shapes, it'd give them, anyway, so that's, that's what I wanted to say. Let's see, is there anything else I can need to add? No, I can't. Hey, sorry for, sorry for the disconnected and weak voice, but I'm doing my best here. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for your call, Mitch. First, to your point about AI assisting the Roadster and the SpaceX package, you might be right. Elon has hinted at something like that before, way back in the early days after the car was revealed in November of 2017, which feels like a decade ago at this point. But uh, anyway, he had talked about maybe like an Iron Man type of setup, not not a literal suit, but like a the heads-up display kind of thing that would link you to the car more directly. That, that was, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. So that could fit the bill. Uh, as to the supercharging rate of the S and X, you absolutely sound like you know more about that than I do. And so uh, I appreciate it. The wiring could very well make sense, but you know, it would seem strange to me that if wiring were a limiting factor, that Tesla wouldn't have upgraded that wiring by now, especially after upgrading so much of the rest of the car with the Raven update. And uh, finally, to your last point, I would love to see a stainless steel Model 2, a small, cheap city car, but with 200 plus miles of range. My wife would be all over that in a heartbeat to replace her aging Mini Cooper. But, uh, and then... Mitch called back later to, to, to note that, you know, you could you could still curve stainless. It doesn't have to be flat, all angular pieces. But I think it probably Tesla would try to have it be all uh, flat and angular because that it's that exoskeleton and those folds that eliminate the need for a stamping press, which, like the DeLorean and its panels needed a stamping press. 
So it probably would be a little a little mini cyber car, which would still be pretty cool. Uh, Mitch, thank you for your call. Next up, Art from Westchester having summon issues. See if I can help at all. Art, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Art from Westchester. I have my Tesla Model 3 parked in a narrow uh, garage, and it's very d- difficult for me to get in uh, on the driver's side, so I try to use summon to get the car out of the driveway. But as soon as it gets within about a foot or so of each side of the driveway, it stops cold. I really wish there was some way to disable that uh, from happening. And if you have any ideas or insights, I would appreciate hearing from you. Uh, I uh, love your podcast. I have about 100 podcasts I subscribe to, but yours is the only one I listen to every single week. Thanks, Ryan. Art, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I wish I could be more helpful here, but I think there are probably two things in play, and it could be either or both of them that are causing your summon to not work with your tight garage. One is that it just might be too tight. The car does need a bit of clearance on either side, or else it tends to freak out out of an abundance of caution. The other one is slope. If your driveway has much of a slope at all, it won't work, including if there's a lip to get from your driveway into your garage. If it's just the lip, you could try making like little tiny ramps Uh, to maybe even like 3D printing them or something, to ease that lip and try to convince the car that it's flat enough to proceed. I know maybe that probably wasn't helpful to you, but just in case it was, uh, I wanted to play it and respond to you there. Finally this week, Rome in Northern California having an issue with his Model S. Let me see if I can help him out. Rome, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Rome up in Northern California. I wanted to just throw out a question. Maybe you have an opinion um, or the audience has an opinion. I have on at least now four different occasions with my Model S uh, pressed the park button and the vehicle, for whatever reason, doesn't go into park either because I didn't hit the button hard enough or maybe the vehicle was rolling too fast. I don't know. But I'm of the opinion that maybe we should have the option of having a tone that plays when you press park. I don't know if other people have run into this, but I've almost rolled the car with um, creep. That's the word. Um, I've had the car almost creep into things because I've pressed the park button and the car was still in drive and it has moved forward and I didn't catch the fact that it didn't go into park. Am I the only one? So I just thought having an option for a tone or some sort of confirmation for the car being in park might be a nice thing. Not everybody might want it, but some people might. That's all I got to say. I love your show. Keep it up. Thanks. First, Rome, I like your idea. Why not have an optional chime for that just as an extra layer of confirmation? It's the same type of thing as the walkaway lock confirmation honk that you can enable if you want to, just as that extra level of making sure you know the car did what you wanted it to do. So I am totally with you there. Second, that does not seem like normal behavior for the car. If you weren't already planning to do this, you might want to have the service center take a look at it the next time you happen to take it in for something. I mean, it can't hurt to check and see if there's something going on, maybe with the stalk control itself. 
Great to hear from you as always. Great to hear from everybody who takes the time to call in here on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Again, I sincerely appreciate it. I love this part of the show. I love hearing from you. So feel free to give me a call anytime if you've got Tesla on your mind and want to talk about it. I give you the call-in info at the top of the segment. So check that out, and I look forward to your call. Stick with me, though. I'm not quite done. I will tell you what I've been doing with my car, give you a pro tip of the week, and a uh, new friend of the show, new product to mention here at the end coming up, too. So stick with me for all that right after this. Well, this week I can actually say I did something with my car. I had some places to go, drove the car a lot last weekend, and boy, did it feel great. Man, it just, I love that car. I always try to remind myself whenever I'm washing it, whenever I'm driving it, that I am so fortunate to have this thing. It's just an incredible privilege, and I'm so grateful for it. And it, it, it just, it's so much fun. I'm almost two years in. And it's every bit as fun as it was on delivery day. Uh, so at the recommendation of some of you guys out there, I turned auto lane changes back on because I had, I had disabled them not long after they first rolled out because I tried them, just didn't, didn't like it. Uh, and I have to say, it does seem noticeably better, but it still seems like the, ch- the lane changes could execute a lot more quickly. And in time, I think they probably will be. I mean, remember, this car, the, the Teslas can see around themselves in 360 degrees all the time. The car doesn't have to, quote-unquote, turn its head to look behind it like a human does before it changes lanes. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to leave it on longer or just go ahead and turn it back off for now, but... Uh, it is definitely better, so I will say that. If, if like me, you you haven't uh, tried it out in a while, give it another look. See, uh, see what you think of it. Uh, next up this week, again, at the original suggestion of listener Stefan in Monterey, since I work in the world of video games and a lot of us are still at home, working from home, etc., I wanted to give you a quick video game recommendation that's family-appropriate. And this week's, I'm pretty sure I haven't mentioned this one. I, I hope I haven't, but... Forgive me if I have. The game is for the Nintendo Switch, and it is The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which is a remake of uh, a Zelda game that was for the Game Boy, their black-and-white handheld that came out in, I think, 1989. The game, uh, Link's Awakening, might have been was from a little after 89, I think, but it's a, it was a, it's a pretty old game, so it's a very classic-style Zelda, top-down you know, sort of 2D, but the art style is gorgeous, and probably a lot of you, like me, I mean, I've been playing video games my whole life, but I just, I never played Link's Awakening when it came out originally. Uh, I didn't have a Game Boy, so it's, this was definitely Link's Awakening, one of my favorite games from 2019. You will love it. Uh, My daughter loves it. We had a great time playing it together, and uh, I cannot recommend that one enough. So give it a look for some classic old school Zelda action. Pro tip of the week this week. Let me go to Mark in Detroit. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Detroit, Michigan, calling you with a quick tip. I don't think I've heard anybody report this. And so if, I, if, if somebody has, I'm sorry to duplicate it. 
but I was riding home tonight and by accident, right before I said, hey Siri, I hit the, the button on my steering wheel and wouldn't you know that Siri popped up through the Tesla system speakers and did exactly what I asked her to do. So I think that that somehow got baked into the software. So I think it's worth uh, sharing that with your listeners because I have a feeling a lot of them would love to just hit a button and see it pop up on the screen. So anyways, thanks for everything you do. I really enjoy your podcast and I appreciate uh, you keeping things going because it makes owning a Tesla a lot more fun. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the kind words, too. So I think what's happening there is just the phone's Bluetooth connection opening a channel. Uh, I've had that happen to me the other way, where I'm trying to do a Siri request to my Apple Watch and the car speakerphone engages. I've noticed it won't do this if, if the phone's in my pocket, but if it's sitting face up in the center console on my charging pad, then Siri listens, hears it, and that's when it'll do it. So I think it's a Bluetooth thing, but yes, it can definitely be useful. Thank you for calling in. And again, if you've got a pro tip, I would love to hear it. Dial it in the same way you send in any of the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls, and I'll do a pro tip near the end of every show. But before I go this week, let me mention some friends of the podcast uh, and uh, some ways you can support the podcast. First, a new friend, the Snap Plate. Snap Plate for Model 3, Model Y, and Model X. You can find it at livingtesla.com slash shop slash R-E-F slash R-T-L. I know that's a, a little little bit, quite a bit to, to chew on there, but I would appreciate if you would use that referral link if you choose to go buy anything there. And their primary product is the snap plate. So it is a front license plate bracket for the Teslas that snaps on and off in seconds. So the cool thing about this is it's paint safe, it's grill safe, it's radiator safe, it's autopilot safe. The clean, minimalist design of this thing really blends nicely with the Tesla front end when it's installed, and it leaves no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. You can make fix-it tickets go away for those of you who, like me, hate using a front license plate. Uh, Snap Plate sends along a few good use cases for this thing. Again, a front license plate bracket that's secure, but, but it'll pop right off. That you can even they even include uh, the the tool that you need and you just leave it in your in the car like in the center console or the glove box. So if you want to remove your plate for car shows, this is good to have. You can install it to avoid tickets while parked at a parking meter because I know here in San Francisco, if you are at a parking meter and uh, you do not have a front plate, you may very well come back to a ticket. Uh, you can remove it to clean your car at home or take it off for a car wash. You can install for toll-by-plate ro- uh, toll roads and bridges. You can deter theft with torque security screws on the plate and the mount. Or you could even use it to install a temporary plate to support your favorite team on game day. So thank you, Snap Plate. The link again, livingtesla.com slash shop slash R-E-F slash R-T-L, which of course stands for Ride the Lightning. So... Check that out if that is of interest to you, particularly in states that require the front plate, which is a lot of them. Uh, meanwhile, the Patreon. If you, if you enjoy the podcast, as I hope you do, and if you've listened this far, I trust you probably do, 
And if by chance you have the uh, ability and desire to support my efforts beyond simply listening each week, I have a Patreon page where there are different tiers. You can pledge your monthly support. Each tier has a different bonus associated with it. So the, uh, for instance, the $5 per month tier, you get early access to the show. And I'm actually recording a little early today, so you'd get it uh, about a day and a half earlier than you normally would. So stuff, all, all that kind of stuff. But the, the bottom line is, is, you know, I hope it comes across that I put a lot of time, a lot of research a lot of enthusiasm and love into this podcast, and hopefully some professionalism too. So uh, if you're able to support me and you're willing to do so, you can do that uh, on Patreon, and you can find all the details on my Patreon page located at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com. All kinds of goodies, tempered glass screen protectors, uh, lighting kits, the center console wrap kits. Uh, there's a lot of very useful products for your Tesla at abstractocean.com. Take a look, throw everything you want to get into the cart, and I would advise do it, do it as bigger, get all everything at once rather than maybe come back and make separate purchases because there is the long-running continuing coupon code that Abstract Ocean offers for listeners of this show, but it's good for your first order. So it's 15% off of your first order. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout for that 15% discount. And the RTL podcast code is all one word. And as for detailing, if you're in the market for that, Immaculate Reflections has got you covered here in the Bay Area. If you're going to be here or if you live here anywhere in the Northern California vicinity, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections is worth the trip. I drive, it takes me about an hour to get to him from my from my place to where he is in, over in the East Bay. And it is worth the trip every single time. Hey, it's a good excuse to drive the car. Jeff does incredible work, very professional. He's also a wonderful human being to boot. He's, he's a perfectionist, very re- uh, reputable, honest, professional, talented detailer. And he does offer discounts to listeners of this show. So whether you want to do a ceramic coating, a paint protection film, either on part or all of the car, or paint correction, he's got it. He'll, he'll do whatever you want to do. And he has now implemented a whole touchless pickup and drop off. He's totally sanitary. You should see his shop. I mean, it's he's got this machine that actually sucks dust particles out of the room that's how clean this dude is because you can't you know he can't have you can't you don't want any dust like settling under the film of the car because then it's going to be there forever so you don't want that so it's a it's a wonderful operation run by a wonderful human being so uh get in touch with him book up with him inquire about that discount for listeners of this show at his website irdetailing.com meanwhile Uh, Jada wireless charging pad. Yes, it's now included in all, well, not the Jada one, but a wireless charging pad is now included in all new Model 3s as well as the Model Ys, but there are plenty of you out there, plenty of Model 3s out there uh, that 99, at this point in time, 99.99% of all Model 3s do not have a wireless phone charging option. So there's still plenty of uh, a market out there for Jada's new and improved, the version three of their wireless charging pad, 
nicer, grippier materials, and it charges faster than ever. So there's that, plus the USB hub, which adds some extra USB-C ports and USB-A as well. And then that cool hidden, like the dummy door where you can hide your sentry mode, uh, your, your dash cam stick back there. So if you want to get either or both of those Jada products, please use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, uh, something to put behind that dummy door, if you get the, the USB thing, <laughs> of course, otherwise it just goes straight into the USB hub in the center console, is a dash cam kit. One-stop shop, puretesla.com slash RTL. $49 for the 128 gigabyte kit. $69 if you want to step up to 256 gigabyte, uh, gigabytes. It comes fully formatted. You take it straight out of the package, plug it right into your car. It's ready to go. And it is designed for the frequent, I should say the constant reading and writing and reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do. So it is a long-term awesome solution for dash cam and sentry mode. I've got one in my car, puretesla.com slash RTL. That's the website to visit to grab one of those. Oh, and free shipping anywhere in the U.S. I think that'll about do it. That's all the all the plugs. A lot of friends of the show, which is uh, which always makes me happy. Of course, I put the I put all that stuff at the end of the show. I try not to burden you with it earlier in the show. So it's you know if you you do want to turn it off, you can turn it off. I, I hope maybe you'll uh, listen to it and find find some use out of one or more of those things. Anyway, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, you can do so on any of your favorite podcast services. It's totally free. It just means that the show will be pushed out to you each week rather than you having to remember to go find it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's in your Tesla. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen right in your car. I'm also on Spotify, and you can listen on YouTube to audio only on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel there. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you'll find me very quickly on YouTube. Uh, that'll do. I mentioned, of course, the pot, the podcast email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter or, and or Instagram, same handle, both places, DMC underscore Ryan. And before I go, let me, of course, thank the wonderful Patreon producers. One of the perks of the aforementioned Patreon pledges is at a certain tier, you get your name shouted out in the quote-unquote credits of the podcast here at the end of the show each week. So I want to thank the following folks. Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, 
Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProTips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, and Jerome Strack. Thank you all so much for your continued support, particularly at the producer level. That is incredibly generous. I do sincerely appreciate it. All right, time for me to hit the road. I wish you a safe, healthy, and happy week. And of course, I will be back next week, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Happy electric motoring. Until then, my friends. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.